Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hey, Horror Movie Night. Welcome to another bonus episode of the podcast. This week, we are talking about Rust Belt Driller, which is going to be premiering Saturday night at the Buffalo Film Festival. So I wanted to bring on some of the creative minds that brought this film to us. Uh, Real quick, so the audience can get used to your voices, can you quickly introduce yourself and what you did on the film? Uh, This is David Williams. I... uh producer, executive producer, co-director, and everything else. So whatever needed to be done, if I could help do it, I did. I'm Tilkey Hill, and I am co-director with Dave, and I also was the intimacy coordinator officially. But like Dave said, we all did lots of stuff. Like one time I got to hold a head while we drilled a brain (laughs) and (laughs) I had to make some cool skin wounds and uh, build a set. So, you know, Jill's and Jack's of all trades. Uh, Aaron Krager, uh, writer, uh, lead actor in Wren, uh, film editor, uh, producer, executive producer with Dave. Um, Yeah, a lot. This so so this movie I, I I'm I'm gonna address the audience listening right now. I know that our show covers a variety of different things, but if you're one of those people who's really into that 70s exploitation mixed with just just a dash of schlock, 
this is this is the movie for you. This is kind of a modern day. Not that it has that much in common, but it it feels very like modern day bucket of blood to me at, at times. Um, but just like if trauma did bucket of blood, <laughs> like just <laughs> as much gore as you can splatter onto the screen, but also real trippy, real heady. A lot of like what is real, what is fantasy. It's it's an exciting, different type of movie. Uh, and I'm I'm really excited that I got a chance to watch it, and I'm excited to hear how audiences res- audiences react to it on Saturday. But can you tell me a little bit about some of the influences that you pulled from to to come up with this? I, I mean, obviously, Aaron, we'll start with you because you wrote it, but then I'd love to hear from a directoral side a little bit of the visual interpretation. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, last, I think it was April, March or April, uh, Dave and I were talking as we have. I've known Dave and Tilke both for years and years and years and years and years. So, um, you know, we were just kind of talking about projects or upcoming projects uh, or just thoughts. And Driller Killer by Abel Ferraro was on Prime. And we started talking about that and then reading about that a little more. We found that technically uh, Driller Killer is in the public domain. The copyright was never renewed. So we had talked about potentially kind of re- redoing that for the 21st century and everything with COVID and just the political climate and just all, you know, all the craziness that's going on now. Um, and then Dave said, you know, why don't you take it in a little bit more of a unique direction? So that's where I took the script, uh, drew a lot from my own personal internal struggles with a lot of things. Um, but that's kind of how it came about. Um, we have influences there. Um, the Videodrome is a massive influence. Um, you know, Perfect Blue, the anime. There's even Blade Runner in there. Um, I mean, there's so many different ones. We, I mean, there's the list that I came up with to recommend for people to watch was about 10 strong, I think. Um, and uh, just, you know, we pulled from everything. And, and in the end, we ended up... You really, really gravitated towards that late seventies, early eighties, you know, grimy, grindy kind of horror. Um, it's funny. There was one day um, we kind of shot some things with a certain sequence, and I said to our director of uh, cinematography, Bill Schweikert, I said, "Wow, this day ended up being a complete Brian De Palma day, and we didn't even realize it at first. So, you know, we had a lot of stuff like you know, dress to kill and all that kind of stuff. So we that, that's where a lot of our influence came, um, you know, but even stuff like Session 9 for Tone, Lost Highway for Tone, um, all that kind of stuff, too. I mean, there are definitely a lot of different things. For sure. And then the visual style of this film is so unique and different. And also the audio. I, I, that really jumped out at me is the the way that you play with audio volumes through certain scenes. Uh, just a really interesting film. Uh, what was it like from the director side of stuff? Like Aaron delivers you this this wild script, and then you have to create a whole vision of <laughs> of this weird story. Well, uh, Aaron and I, uh, I think we share the same love for the same sort of movies. The the kind of, uh, I mean, everything from that that kind of late seventies or early eighties New York City, Forty Second Street grimy, gritty, uh, grindhouse, um, uh, sex exploitation, art exploitation. Um, I know we're also attracted to films like uh, um, Lars Van Trier. Yeah? 
true. We 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 we, are, we we only people laughing at a lot of the house that Jack. Built. Yeah, yeah, the house that so. Jack built. We I think we laughed through most of that because it was so ridiculous and so absurd <laughs> and so blackly humored. And uh, and I think that's another thing we both have kind of a sick sense of humor that we. We can look at things that most people are like, oh, my God, that's just awful. And we're just on the floor. We're just thinking it's just so off the wall and ridiculous. Um, it's just funny. And um, so, yeah, so I come out of that. But I also come out of, like, uh, I guess the same, the 60s, 70s, art house, uh, European uh cinema so people like Bergman and Fellini and and Antonioni and so that kind of that old art house uh, aesthetic um, and I think a friend a friend of mine uh, once said something to the effect that I make B horror movies with art house pretensions and that, so that kind of describes my whole my whole visual style where okay um, what if, uh, uh, what if Godard made, uh, made a slasher film? What would that look like? What would that sound like? What would that be like? <laughs> and how about, and how about Tilk? How, how, like, what was your, like, when you were looking at this and trying to come up with a visual style for, for the stuff from your side of the co-director seat? I think that for me, like, reading the script and also I have a dark sense of humor like Aaron and Dave, but I think that their sense of humor is much, uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe much <laughs> over the line, but I definitely think things that aren't supposed to be funny are funny. So, you know, we're simpatico along, along those lines. So when I read the script, I was like, this is bonkers. Like I see, for me, I'm really like, I can see the colors and I can see what the actors are doing and I can see, you know, ha what's happening, like the story in my, in my mind in that kind of way. Um, not necessarily saying like, oh, I'm going to make it like this. I see this film. Yes, I can see the influences of all the films and, you know, watching all the all of, you know, where Aaron was coming from when he was writing it, of course, was super useful. But it's interesting. Dave made this comment the other in another interview. He was saying that it, you would be hard pressed because we split up a lot of the filming, which allowed us to shoot this film in a very short period of time. Like I took a B team and went and shot a bunch of stuff and um, you'd be hard pressed to say like, Oh, Tilky shot that or Dave shot that Dave did take, take more of the gore of the gore shoots because you know, that's his thing. And as I've said on other interviews, I don't like gore. I, uh, I, I have to say one of the other things that really popped out about this movie is you know, obviously the movie is called the Rust Belt Driller. You look at the poster, it's very clear the the seventies exploitation influences right out the gate. Uh you, you mentioned driller killer, and it's definitely up there just in a poster sense of like, you know, driller killer had that can't miss poster of just a guy getting a drill through the head. <laughs> um but 
you, I wonder what that movie is about. <laughs> but, but you kind of expect with movies that have those influences that they're going to do like the saturate the, the film and make it look like it's this lost relic from this time period and everything's going to be dark and shadowy. But this, I actually was really blown away that the color palette is so vivid and so much of it pops. There is a legitimate visual style in everything that's happening in this movie, which um, was there even a moment where you were like, hey, we should saturate this and make it look 70s or, you know, you'd said, Aaron, we're trying to do this for 2021. So I guess that was out the gate. You're like, we're not doing a we're not trying to make this look like it was from the 70s. We're just bringing that attitude into the new generation. So, yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that you uh, I'm, I'm glad you noticed that. Um, so Steve Rosenthal, who was our sound capture, uh, is also a very talented editor. And he did all our color correction uh, where I sat down with him quite a bit. And on some things, he just kind of took off. But as I was writing the film, um, you know, everybody writes differently, obviously, but you know, as I've evolved a little bit as a writer and as a person, I, I try to look at script writing or prose or whatever, you know, at different levels. And uh, red and yellow and purple were the consistent thematic colors that just kind of came to me. Um, you know, when I write, I, I'm either listening to music like, you know, Max Richter and kind of like ethereal and, you know, like electronic or I'll even put on movies in the background that I know very well that have a similar tone. So like writing this and having, um, you know, having video drum on just in the background, just for inspiration. Um, but uh, the color palette came to me very, very quickly. It was red and it was yellow and it was purple. Uh, and we reflected that quite a bit, obviously in the color correction too, uh, but also in Ren's outfit and as the, you know, the story progresses and all that kind of thing. Um, red obviously with being the blood, but yellow and purple just kind of came together. Um, and, and Steve really ran with that. And I, I think it, I think, I think it's very bold in that sense. And I think it were, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I think it works really, really well. No, it really, it makes everything pop and it, it's, you know, there's going to be plenty of stuff that people walk away from this movie that they're going to remember. It's definitely not a movie that you watch and just readily forget. But I think those color choices are going to be those things that 15 years from now, if they've only seen it this one night at the Buffalo Film Festival, they're going to be like, what was that movie where it was like the bright purples? And like, like I think that that is going to be the thing that sticks in people's minds, as well as seeing people get destroyed by this gigantic <laughs> drill. <laughs> so as we're winding down, I know the film festival's kicking off tonight and I want you all to be able to go and enjoy the opening ceremonies. But I just want to know what is, if you could only have one horror movie that really is like your go-to uh, as we're enter as we're in October, what is your like horror film must watch in your life? My favorite is 28 days later and i don't even know if you'd call that a horror film but i think it is you know sort of it's you know to me kicked off the obsession with zombies <laughs> so uh yeah that's always like what i yeah to me that's my favorite that i always like you know that for me i remember everything i remember where i was in the theater when i saw it and you know how i felt and and all of that stuff that's a good choice Actually, yeah. that's a good, yeah. film. good movie. I, uh, uh, the original Suspiria. Speaking about uh, 
Yeah, it's a big color, color palette. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> color palette that pops. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I've, I think I've watched it almost every year since it came out, which shows you how old I am and how obsessed <laughs> I am with that film. So yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic. And, and the remake we will not speak of. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, my brother wanted to watch the original Suspiria. And I, oh. I, before I sat him down, I was just like, this movie probably won't make a ton of sense on your first view, but it's going to be beautiful. So just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that kind of that, that dream logic, that kind of nightmare logic where, I mean, if you really sit back and think about it, you're thinking, how did that happen or how did she get from that room and didn't she go through a window and she fell into a room full of wire and yeah. why is there a room full of wire and you know but in the reality of that movie it's like yeah that makes perfectly good sense you know i, it, I feel like good. there's a there's a lot of Suspiria. Honestly, as you were talking about, there's a lot of Suspiria and Rust Belt driller in that sense. There's, there's, a, there's a touch, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're, we're big fans of all that, too. Um, you know, I mean, Suspiria phenomenon for me is always... That's uh, such a know, good one. It's so good. And, of course, it inspired Clock Tower, the old PlayStation game with the Scissor Man and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, it's such an unfair question to say just the one, um, especially because <laughs> horror has such a built-in community and there's so many subgenres. But I always have to go back to Alien, the original yeah. Alien. Um, it's it's a perfect movie. There's nothing. There's no flaws in the original Alien. Um, For sure. I and it's... Uh, I, I can watch that any day, anytime, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, when people ask what my comfort movie is, I tell people seven. <laughs> they, 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 and some people laugh and the others don't talk to me anymore, um, <laughs> uh, which I don't even know if it's, if it's necessarily a horror movie. But, you know, it's, it's got those tropes, obviously. I mean, there's so many great things. And that's why, I, that, that's why Dave and I over the years have gravitated to horror so much. Um, you know, there's just so many opportunities and there's so many different ways to express it. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, especially with culture changing, I think horror is one of the last real bastions, if you want to call a freedom too, where, I mean, obviously apart from being blatantly repugnant and offensive, you can still do pretty much anything you want with horror and someone will watch it and someone will still be a part of it. And, uh, and, and be into it. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's important, especially for this movie, uh, and other movies just like it. And, you know, with, with those, with those great auteurs, you know, Carpenter and, uh, you know, Cronenberg and, and all the other ones that we've talked about, Argento, obviously. So I think that's, all right. yeah. Well, the film is screening at 9.45 at the Buffalo Film Festival, buffalofilm.org. Uh, that is going to be October 9th if you're in the future listening to this. Um, but if people aren't in the Buffalo area, maybe they missed out on on the screening. Are there any other screenings on the horizon? And if not, where can they go to find out about future screenings and their ability to see the movie? They can actually go and watch it online through the Buffalo International Film Festival if they can't make it to the screening. So awesome. it's playing online with the festival. 
Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much, all three of you. Guys, go and hit up buffalofilm.org October 9th, 945. You heard, you don't even have to be there in person (laughs) if you're living in Arizona or California. Live in Buffalo. Come and see us in person. But if you don't... But yeah, it'll be available. Uh, John Fink uh, told me that it'll be available from 9 p.m. on October 9th if you're watching it digitally and you have up to like four days to view it from from getting that admission. So yeah, if you're not with us, please check it out. If you are, then come. Yeah, you got no excuse if you're living in Buffalo. Get over there. Hi, listeners. I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are FemRegard Podcast. Mm. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. (laughs) Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hi listeners, I'm Carolina. And I'm Tessa. And together we are Femme Regard Podcast. Mmm, Femme. We are a show dedicated to educating and entertaining underdeveloped filmmakers and film enthusiasts alike. We love sharing our experiences as filmmakers, what we've learned and what we've gone through. And we love bringing on professional industry guests. We want our listeners to learn from the best and get an honest account of the biz. So come join the FemFam and give us a listen every Friday. Streaming on all the major podcast platforms, including YouTube and our website, femregard.com. And of course, the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 